1: Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com, Zone Coverage Podcast Network. It is Monday morning about, what would it be, 31 hours or 32 hours until the Minnesota Timberwolves play their first preseason game of the season. I'm joined in studio by Britt Robson, who we've been talking about on the pod a little bit, is going to be coming around. We're going to make Mondays a thing, so thank you for that. You're the perfect person. to Let's, let's just chop up what uh, training camp has been. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm I'm a little tired. I was just telling you before this had a a wedding this weekend, and you right. know it, it's a quick turnaround to Monday morning. But uh, it was cool. I was at a, I was at practice this morning, and I know you weren't you weren't there this time. But it's kind of been the same thing, right? Like right. you get you. We actually are getting to see some of practice, or at least warm ups, right. and the, the those elements of friendship, continuity, positivity. That you do see that, and I don't. I don't think that is is fake by any means. We're, we're getting to see that, and they'll, they'll certainly tell us about it. Um, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion it's real. It's not the most interesting topic for me, but it certainly beats the alternative. It's, it's definitely
3: more good. real than important.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right, but that's that's a good thing. I mean, again, right. it beats the alternative. And exactly. the alternative we know right. was last season, and that was terrible. Right. So I, I think it's interesting. It makes it a little bit harder to try and, particularly with the roster that has had half the group turn over, um, it makes it hard for you to understand what might actually transpire on the floor. And as you kind of wrote this, or last week was, you know, what kind of happens after that vibe becomes that positive vibe becomes less important. Right. Now we're playing basketball,
3: and uh, also when the rubber meets the road on what is not going to be a playoff team. Right. Uh, you know, then, you know, uh, it's they want to play fast mm-hmm.
1: uh, with what I've ball heard, ha- I've with heard what that. ball
3: handlers. You know. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, that that once you start to break down the roster and once you start to look at uh, um philosophy, we've talked about this is the dominant subtheme mm-hmm. of the Rosas regime thus far, I think, which is the way he wants to play versus the roster he's able to assemble right now mm-hmm. is mismatched. It's not terribly mismatched, but it's mismatched enough that an already subpar team talent-wise in the Western Conference will be penalized further as inadequate personnel try to execute a new system.
1: So are you are you of the mind that the most incongruous element of that is the point guard position?
3: It's right up there, but that's only because uh, the alternatives seem so threadbare. Um, I think that to me, actually, um, it's one of those whack-a-mole things where, um, if they want to address certain things in certain ways, it leaves them vulnerable in other ways that they want to play. Um, if you know, we we have talked, we have this ongoing discussion about big versus small lineups, and if you put a big lineup on the floor, you're going to be very different
1: on mm-hmm. offense than you you know than you are if you have a small lineup. And they've said so much about wanting the opponent to line up to the style that they want to play with, but it's why point, would they? Yeah, right. Why would the opponent do that when yeah, they, they
3: don't just they have the advantage with the way they're playing already? It's
1: you know, it's an it's an admirable thought. And I think to some degree on the offensive end it, it will work. They will, will they will play faster. Um but how does shooting fit into that? I think it's how is does it, ball is,
3: handling fit into that? Ball handling and shooting.
1: Um, Well, you got, I mean, like the 30 minutes a night you got Teague, I don't think that's bad ball handling. Like it's. But Jeff Teague's
3: inclination is to dribble a lot and not dish quickly. He says he's turned over a new leaf. Yeah. On Sunday at practice, Ryan Saunders, the coach, specifically said that was a conversation he had with Teague Mm -hmm. um, and that Teague. Acknowledged that he pump faked too many times last year. Hmm. Um from three.
1: Huh? Yeah, there, there's there's two separate things there though. It's the he was the unwillingness to shoot threes and then a um prevailing consistency of dribbling, dribbling, dribbling through kind of the lane meandering, which is kind of falls in the shadow of something he's good at. He is kind of good at good navigating. At that is
3: actually I think he does that in part because it is his metier it is his thing that he likes to do and he has a decent excuse in that he wanted to get the superstar of the team off all the time right. he was constantly looking for Cat you know. and everybody who doesn't like Jeff Teague will say in course now that's because you can't throw an inbounds pass mm-hmm. you have to create different angles because your, your low post feeds have traditionally been wretched um, but I, I do think that that is uh, an issue that if Teague is your only real ball handler, um, then, you know, you're kind of in trouble. Uh, Napier is not a great ball handler. We know he's he's actually better as a shooting threat, uh, somebody who's certainly willing to let it fly anyway, which this team, quite frankly, needs more of. He'll get him
1: up. You know what Cat said today? He said... Uh, Jeff plays a lot faster than Shabazz.
3: Uh-huh. I can... Well, you know, what's crazy is everybody who loved Tyus Jones, and I think you even wrote about this, uh, faster. almost the entire time those two were together, uh, Teague had the faster uh, pace of play in the stats. Now, the eye test doesn't hold up to that. You always saw Tyus get out quicker, right. more quickly, uh, and you saw Teague you know, let the air out of the ball at the other end. But I do think there's something to be said for um, Teague would pick his spots. Teague would love to hit Wiggins on the fly.
1: uh, And a Kogi. And that was a
3: thing for a while. Um, On Uh, the other hand, you know, Teague is just so obvious when he is killing time. It's almost like, you know, the four corners or something.
1: It was Chase Frederick, who writes for the Pioneer Press, and I were talking about this this morning after practice because – on that quote and it, it's just very hard to measure pace or what do you mean what do you mean when you're saying you're playing faster what is using more speed how are, how do you define these things and yes we can look at the nba.com's pace metric and when the wolves played with Jeff Teague on the floor there was a faster pace by the way they define it right Than and the fi- way
3: it's defined unfortunately is possessions per game yeah and so if you're prone to turnovers <laughs> you know, then you will have a faster pace of play, so that hurts Tyus Jones, mm-hmm. who almost never turns the ball over. Right. Yeah. So therefore, uh, you know, his pace of play will be depressed. Uh, but I do think all that said, I think that Teague plays faster than the eye test.
1: I agree, uh, and I do think that um, it's like more of a feel. It is. It is. I, it's kind of like defense, right? We we have some metrics here, but we can't we can't pinpoint. The metric. The metric, right? And right. it's it, it, it's a similar sort of thing. So I think just with this year, how I'm gonna go into it is just watching it, you know, like right. watching how how does it feel and how how does is the effectiveness of that flow. And really the the main thing I think they will certainly do is get the ball into the half court quickly. Right. And I mean just backing up the big all of these things, the pace of play, the shooting, the propensity of cutters, the way you're gonna defend, these are all such important questions because how they relate to Carl Anthony Towns and i think that's the those are the layers that are interesting, you know, to peel through a little bit more and for each of them the, you know there's a varying level of of value there as it pertains to cat and the, the pace one is what i'm i'm curious about because yeah cat can get out and run a little bit but when he is in his like offensive god mode it's not it's not hasn't been in, in transition, and in fact, that's kind of been the area of the game where he's been sloppier.
3: It's been a kind of fun delayed transition. When he's in his God mode, Rubio did this a lot better than anybody since on the Wolves. But uh, that delayed, when he goes right down, you could almost bisect the paint. Yeah. The way he goes right down, and that little shovel pass, or or some kind of dish, where he goes in for that roaring straight ahead dunk. Right. That's part
1: of Towns's God mode. Um, but the other main parts are being elite with his back to the basket mm-hmm. and to a greater extent being able to stretch the floor. Yes.
3: Here's my issue. with. I mean, you just ticked off about I think it literally was four things uh, that the Wolves say they're going to do differently, and all those are kind of pegged to Towns. Well, I don't think we can, especially if we expect a defensive improvement, which is arguably the most important thing he can do to make this team better, Um you can't have this guy have a, a usage rate over forty percent, right? Or something. And and if he is featured in the in the run game, in the you know outside shooting game, you know in uh, the the uh, passes from the elbow game, uh, all those things, his usage rate is going to be
1: Westbrookian. You know, I mean, it's it's. Again, no. I, yeah, you. it's like there's got to, There has to be some sort of balance. there. somebody else has to. Yeah, you don't want Westbrook to happen. You don't want the, the that bad Westbrook year where it was forty percent. And don't
3: tell me Towns wouldn't be ready for it. You know, that's <laughs> the crazy part of it too. You know,
1: so then that's coaching. It's about how to, you know how do we find that balance. Well, and you have a coach that is, um,
3: is pressured whether it is direct verbal pressure or obvious pressure that hey is a new regime here and you should probably do what we say to involve
1: well that's that's the way other way of saying alignment I think <laughs> yeah
3: so in other words I think it's uh, there's just a lot of problems I mean I'm here as a negative force today uh, in terms of the idea that
1: um I don't know if that's true that we I think the thing you wrote today is or not today the last thing you wrote was
3: Oh, yeah. I know. I mean, I'm it's just saying. It's not negative. I well, mean, it's going to be an enjoyable 30-something win season yeah, for me. Right. But that's just because I've seen so many terrible teams. It's not going to be 16 wins. It's not going to be 17 wins unless they decide in February, you know, that they can get the fourth pick rather than the ninth pick. There, and then I'm on
1: board. There's no way they can get that bad if Cat's healthy all year.
3: I don't think so either just because of the East. I just think that there's too many just awful teams in the East. But you know what? I mean, I have said this last time I was on. The West doesn't have any bad teams. The more I look it over, you know, I mean, I just – I know you want to push back with Memphis and Phoenix. Both of them are not terrible. I mean, watch Phoenix tomorrow night against the Wolves. I think it will be an interesting game.
1: I just don't – they're going through their own sort of – both of those teams, Memphis and Phoenix – are just as much going through changing up who they are and what they want to be. So if those things slow you down, if it slows the Wolves down, they'll be slowed down just as much by it this year as the Wolves. will. And I'm just going to pick the team that has Carl Anthony Towns over the team that has Devin Booker by far. Uh-huh. And certainly, uh, I don't know, who who is the Grizzlies' best player? Jaren Jackson? Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- th- there is a there is a massive gap there. If the Wolves fall in the same tier when the standings start shaking out, it's a massive indictment on on this blueprint that they're, they're putting together. Because everything they're saying is the four things, whatever I checked off and you, you touched on, if you are, if your whole offense is about highlighting your best player and your team ends up falling into the same group as a team led by Devin Booker and Jonas Valanciunas, two separate teams, then something's gone terribly wrong. I, I, I think if they're maximizing Carl Anthony Towns, there's no way this team again, provided some health, isn't mm-hmm. around the mid-30s. I agree.
3: I mean, I, I, I think that there is a potential for both of those other teams to surprise. I just think that uh, Phoenix, both Phoenix and Memphis, like the Wolves, have had an air clearing as well as a culture change. Sure. I mean, Phoenix has been terrible for so long, and Memphis finally— you know, is going to do the non-grit and grind. And I did not think Bickerstaff was a great coach. Uh, and I thought getting rid of Jaeger was a strange move, mm-hmm. almost as strange as Sacramento getting rid of him. I mean, who knows what's right. going on with that guy. I mean, just by circumstance, he's right. a suspect character by now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I I, I feel like um, even so, 11th strikes me as like, Optimism.
1: Right. Well, again, okay. so how it, how it, uh, Vegas sees it, and the one team we're not mentioning that is below the Wolves is just really weird in Oklahoma City. That's because everybody thinks they're going to trade everybody. Don't you? No. <laughs> you, I think Danilo Gallinari is the most likely to be traded player in the NBA this season, and I think Chris Paul is not far behind.
3: I think Chris Paul is untradeable because of his salary, and I think Gallinari will fetch them something that isn't a draft pick because they already have a ton of draft picks. It'll be somebody
1: good. I would – I think Chris
3: Paul will be traded. I think as good as Rosas is, OKC has got a front office that knows how to do this. Um, And their raw materials.
1: I mean, Shea – No, it's a good – right now it's a good team. And Adams,
0: Adams,
2: I mean
1: Adams, They, it's a, it's a. I'm just, to me, they fall in their own kind of group. When I'm looking at the West, it's, it's. Pitch, it's and right Memphis. up.
3: That, that is a comparable. I think that OKC, and the Wolves are in the same tier.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I think that then, if we uh, want to get
1: a little bit more optimistic, then there's the the bunch right above them, which is in a tier of itself, and that's yeah, Dallas. Aside from,
3: aside from Sacramento, I don't see any team there that I agree. I, I
1: mean, but I, I would put, I would put the Wolves. I would put the wolves. I would take the wolves to win more games than the Kings. Well, very close. Very close. But
3: I, I think a lot depends on um, how dejected the Kings get when they are not allowed to sneak up on people, and um, it turns out that Jaeger is a better coach than Walton, and uh, um, and suddenly, you know, I mean, the Buddy Heels and Darren Foxes of the world who. Uh, knew nothing of success until last year. They were unleashed by that. I mean, that is it an, was, it even a wonderful
1: under, coaching job. It was one. I mean, but everyone thinks about De'Aaron Fox with that team and how well that fit him. It fit Buddy Hill just as well. Yes, it did. I mean, bombing threes. What and a trailer! You know, I mean, no. it's
3: just a perfect trailer.
1: No, I, I don't. I don't. But hate I don't think team. Walton will do that so as that, well. So that's what I'm saying. If if that group is not being, if we don't think they're gonna be maximized to the degree that they were last year by their coach. To me, that pushes them down into
3: Wolves territory. The Wolves territory. Wolves
1: Thunder territory. And then and then if we want to get really optimistic, then we're talking Pelicans who I know you love, Mavs yeah. and basically that. And and still all those teams are out of the top. I'll eight. buy
3: you lunch if they beat the Pelicans.
1: Oh I I'm not taking that. I'm right. I'm I'm moving further and further towards well easily the team I'm most excited to watch. And that's even as somebody I just think there's so much so on much there they, like, they look
3: it looked like such a great team. I mean and it, even outside of Zion,
1: even outside of Zion it's exactly. fascinating. like if he was if he happened to miss the first month I'd still be pumped to watch Pelicans games.
3: And everybody was saying that Zion was the best rookie since LeBron James. Well, let's think about the rookies that have come in since LeBron James. Yeah. Almost every Karl Anthony Towns. Every one of those guys had a pretty interesting impact. On the team's one loss record. I mean, the same year that LeBron came in, Carmelo Anthony took Denver from 17 to 43 wins or right, something. Right, right. Uh, and so if this guy um, has any kind of cachet and isn't a bust his rookie year, mm-hmm. then he's going to be really good. They got Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, Ingram, Reddick,
1: Lonzo, man. Do Lonzo. See, I Not to overreact to, like, training camp videos, but his jump shot's completely different. He's shooting it like a human. So, I mean,
3: and and he's also, I think, since he's in Denver, his dad isn't nearly as interested, which is a real positive. Since
1: he's in New Orleans.
3: Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah,
1: Yeah, New Orleans. No, no, I I agree. He's, I've always, and this is hyperbolic, but I see interesting Lonzo Ball, Nikola Jokic comparisons in that way of Uh not, I mean, Jokic is a legitimate all-NBA, even MVP-type candidate, but the type of person who can change the way you play because they're thinking about the game in a different way than everyone else's. And maybe the more apt comparison and makes a little bit more sense for this podcast is Ricky Rubio. Mm -hmm. And well, if if that gets there, then, then
3: I already am on record as saying they'll finish ahead of the Warriors. I mean, I, I think that, um,
1: it's a fascinating team too. Like, yeah, it's hard to get, it's hard to get excited about watching. Wolves game. What Wolves games when there's all these other teams I want to see. Well, I mean, we'll see them though,
3: you know. And, yeah, yeah. and
1: the beauty of league pass is, you know,
3: mm-hmm. you 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 watch your Wolves game and then you go home and watch the other teams.
1: Well, you got your popcorn machine thing. Charks was talking about. He was, he was saying he has the exact same thing as you. He goes, you got a popcorn machine every morning. You go see the lineups? So yeah, I Like have toast.
3: <laughs> toast, and coffee, <laughs>
1: toast
2: and,
1: No, I but don't pop- eat popcorn in the morning. No, 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 popcorn machine. That's your your thing where you look up the. Oh, you've oh, tried to get me on oh, that yeah, a million yeah, the times. Popcorn machine. Yeah, he does the popcorn he, machine. Okay, let's explain to people wow. what popcorn machine is. so I don't think we're actually talking about popcorn. Yeah. it, it it's know, a website it.
3: it's called popcornmachine.net and what it does is, <laughs> is is it ta- I know you yeah, believe me. Yeah. popcornmachine.com has, has ruined. ruined many a researcher. <laughs> but uh they measure chunks of 5 man playing time. Mm-hmm. And uh they color it each chunk, you know, has a, a different color for that guy playing, and so it overlaps. You can see the five man overlap, and then in between below it, they have runs, so that you can see what five man groups have done really well or not yeah. done really well. And then if you click over the guy's name, and they'll give you each stint by right. you know like six point two minutes first stint, four point one mm-hmm. minute second stint. They don't do exact seconds unfortunately. It's one tenth of whatever the clock is. Right one of the downsides of it. But it really is, uh, it's perfect for um, if you don't want to see, even fast forwarding, mm-hmm. if you don't want to see a fast forwarded game without free throws or timeouts or anything, you can get it done in an hour. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have time because there's 14 games that night yeah. or something, and you want to see how a team won the game, you look at like the two or three decisive runs. You can see that on popcornmachine.net right. and then you can, if you've DVR the game, which I do to the main games, uh, then you can fast forward to that point and watch them. If you haven't DVR'd it, you have you know generally when they're going to happen. Let's say it's early third quarter, you know about an hour into the rebroadcast, you can Mm -hmm.
1: tune in. Or just on your computer. Well, I don't do it on my (laughs) computer. What are you going to do? No, I I actually for the younger subset. No, what I last year I got on some high horse about watching whole games, and I was doing the whole. Rip through games without the free throws and whistles and everything. Yeah, but I think it caught because then then you're still it's like hour fifteen to to go through the whole game. But I thought I thought there was this extra value in seeing the the whole thing, but it probably cost me. Sometimes it is, but it is not efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may get
3: an insight that you otherwise would not get, but you may also miss two or three
1: insights for games you don't watch. Okay, but how, <laughs> you're only looking at the the runs that went well. No, well, uh, what happens, of course, is that oh, the some, other team, <laughs> some other team is getting schooled. School? Yeah, you right can't on. help
3: but notice that it's, as you're going along.
1: It's the it's the inverse of it. Um, all right, back to the Timberwolves. Um, it's and this is we like, always keep to the topic when I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Where uh, and I don't even like talk about this as starting lineup anymore, but. What is the popcorn machine lineup that you're most interested to see from the Timberwolves? Well, obviously, it's really hard to say right now. We, we're, we're,
3: we're blindly groping like one leg of the elephant right now. But I would say that uh, <laughs> right now I am still most interested in seeing if Culver— if they've oversold yeah. Culver as a point guard or as a facilitating playmaker or whether um, they have either pegged him right or even undersold him a little bit. Yeah. Um, at media day, I pretty aggressively went at him to basically say, hey, has, this, has the brain trust kind of told you that they want you to be a point guard someday? And I don't know whether I just bullied him into a yes or whether or not they, they really are. But he did kind of say, yeah, you know? Uh,
1: the way I perceive that and the way I perceive the whole situation is that he will be asked to do point forward things forever, mm-hmm. this year and into the future. Obviously, if he shows he could do it more and more. I would be very surprised if that ever becomes point guardish. The guy that we think of when we you know, once Jeff Teague's not on the team anymore, or whatever, and you go, "Yeah, Jared Culver's the point guard of this team." I I would be shocked if that's. Ever but who in was situation.
3: the point guard of the Rockets the last couple of years? Well, I mean, Chris Paul, but uh then James before, Harden when he was Paul. yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I do think that um, there's a precedent for point guards in the way we think of them to be yeah. less and less uh, necessary, especially if you're organizing your team around a big-man ball handler, and you want to do ball movement as opposed to uh, ball orchestration. Sure.
1: Well, and bringing up Paul and Harden, they they so clearly have the can get to the jump shot off the dribble game. And that is a, no fault of Culver. He's 20 years old, just haven't played in the NBA yet. He doesn't have that yet. Right, as far as we know. Yeah, or I mean— Maybe he'll just blow our socks off. No, well, what I think, I'm on the record of thinking that he's going to be a fine catch and shoot mm-hmm. shooter. But that is a whole different thing than asking him to point forward, read, react, set his feet, and get up and shoot over the defender. Those are very different things. And being a point forward, point guard, whatever, asks you to do that way more. And see, and and
3: what. I am hoping—as you know, I don't follow the college game, so I don't know much about him. Uh, but I do know that all the metrics say he was fabulous at finishing last year. Yeah. So if I think so. I think that's going to be good. he's fabulous I think at I finishing, then, and if he can dish off the dribble,
1: mm-hmm.
3: then he can be a playmaker in a way that this team needs. And that may be driving kick to the corner, which I think would be part of the Rosas template. Or it could be drive and bounce pass to cat moving, you know, in sure. sync. It could be, uh, you know, just a. It could be a Kobe assist. You know, sure. I mean, I think that it would encourage the up tempo thing they want to want to use. I know that um, the only reason I'm answering it in this way is you asked me what I'm interested, what I'm excited about seeing. Yeah. I'm excited about seeing whether or not Culver can create a wrinkle, whether moving up on the draft was a home run, a single, or a double. I think it was good for the team. Sure. I just think that if it's a great move, if this guy is um, – if in December we're laughing about the idea that we were actually even wondering whether it would be Culver or Okogie, um then right. that's a cool thing. Um, I'm interested in seeing how quickly I am disabused of that notion or ratified sure. of that notion. So that's one thing I'm looking at. I'm looking at um, I'm looking at turnovers and I'm looking at help defense as the two things that I fear could be train wrecks. Um, I still don't know if this team can be. A really good defensive team switching things uh,
1: with cat, not switching, perhaps. And we still don't you know don't, the answer to that question. So at practice today, I asked Gorgie about about that and just kind of the nature of the, the five man position, how it's gonna be there. And what he said, he goes, I've never liked retreating to the rim and having the guard come at me. <laughs> I would like to, you know, to be able to get out there and be more aggressive right. and attack it, which is it's at least a hedge or Perhaps, you know, a switch. And you and I share the mindset. And Ryan said, I think when you asked him, switching is going to be a coverage we run. It will not be the coverage. Because, and nor is it really for anyone. I well, just don't think it will define this group in the way that the narrative is putting it out there now.
3: And that is always the. Um it is also right to be cynical about pace of play, too. Then, because everybody says they want to run, mm-hmm. everybody says they want to run. It's the sexy thing to say in the preseason. Um, I happen to think they're they're well suited to run
1: to some extent. Well, well and they've said they've wanted to run more than they said they've wanted to shoot threes, and they're more equipped to run than they are to shoot threes That's for sure. sure. On the other hand, if
3: we're if we're talking about aspects of the modern NBA that would suit them to get into a rhythm on whether they have personnel or not. Mm -hmm. I do think hitting wide open guys on weak side threes in the slot is a good idea, even if they miss them, Mm -hmm. just to get Wiggins out there, for God's sake. You know, so, um, but what I'm interested in is Culver as a playmaker. I'm interested in whether or not – they have enough ball handling or have an offensive system that camouflages their lack of ball handlers enough to run a competent, up tempo offense. And I'm interested in seeing whether or not um, they can be on a string, because they have the personnel to be an interesting switching team, mm-hmm. provided the Teague isn't in there and Towns. I'm a big fan of towns switching. I oh. am not a big fan of towns dropping back. It's always been a disaster. Maybe Four uh, years. Yeah. Maybe um, his teammates will do a better job of making sure that he's not facing um, the choice of blocking, of f- making a foul or allowing somebody to dunk in his face. Because we know what will happen then. Towns will foul that
1: person. So I remember writing about that last year and then talking to you about I don't know if his podcaster were just talking and what I was saying is you know the opportunity cost of lighting Cat's hair on fire and and attacking screens and allowing that to be a switch or just more much more aggressive and I felt at that time you were more pushing back on that notion because you were afraid of the of him picking up fouls by being more aggressive
3: right was that that before or after Rocco
1: I I think, well, with Rocco, it it worked very well. I don't remember exactly when it was.
3: Regardless of what I said then, I will agree with you that that's the best way to do it if Rocco is playing beside him. Because I really do think the problem with Towns is always Mm decision-making. And if you put him in attack mode, you justify any aggressive decision he makes, which is not a good thing. But, if he's next to somebody who guides him either non-verbally by his own positioning or verbally by saying, hey, you know, switch or I got this or, mm-hmm. you know, ice in the right. old days or whatever. Um, then he'd be good at it. Uh, you know, at, you heard me ask on media day, I mentioned he's really good with KG, he's really good with Rocco, and he actually had a pretty good answer for it. He said, yeah, everybody's good with those guys. But um, <laughs> then he went on to say, of course, that uh, – his foul trouble had to do with the fact that his teammates didn't defend very well, which I thought was a load, you know.
1: Yeah. I, though kind of fair, too. Um, kind no. of fair. Well, his notion, was, his notion was, which is true, that he had to defend the rim.
3: That's why he was in foul trouble? I think he was in foul trouble because he didn't like the refs not calling every little ticky-tack thing that well, it's happened It's never just the other one end.
1: thing. It's never just one thing. It's both.
3: A lot of fouls that Towns picks up are silly fouls away from the ball, Other fouls that's what I
1: was just saying about the getting out on the perimeter. I I agree, it's like
3: other fouls he picks up are all right, ref. You didn't call it this end, you shouldn't call it this end either. And then he storms to the bench, swearing a blue streak. Um,
1: you know, that's the towns that is going to hurt this team. How do you compensate for that if you're the coach? You know that that has to be something on their whiteboard, Ryan Saunders's whiteboard of a. An area of concern that we need to compensate for is Cat led the league in fouls, period, last year. We can go through all the reasons of why it happened. Maybe he's right. Maybe it wasn't all his fault. Maybe it was that all those other wings stunk and they got burnt all the time. But that is absolutely something that if you're David Van Der and Ryan Saunders that you are thinking about compensating for because you need Cat. Right. I, I mean, you need Cat to be playing in mid-30 minutes. Absolutely. That's one of the things you say.
3: You know, I think one of the ways you appeal to Towns is by saying you're too important to be stupid. Right. You know, um, flatter him no end when it comes to his role on the team, not least because it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would also say, um, look, you're a leader of this team. Um, you have to set the example. And one of the ways you set the example is by keeping a level head. Yes, we want you to be fiery and excited and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, look around. There are no veteran leaders on this team aside from a guy whose contract is expiring and another guy who they hope they can trade before his contract expires, being Teague and Gorgie, respectively. So you are kind of the de facto leader of this team. So therefore, um, you have to start to act like it. I think... If you approach it in that way, um, you might be able to get around to him to the point where um, whatever it is, I think you have to go through his ego. Hmm. I mean, as an egotistical person myself <laughs> takes one to no one, I, th- I think that that's the way to get the, cap- the cake.
1: I, I think I think you're right and I think the vibe I'm getting – this is the first time he actually talked to the media today since since media day – I think Kat's pissed off right now and you know, more power to him. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. Like be pissed off, but that needs to be channeled in a way.
3: Is he pissed off because he feels like he doesn't get the credit he
1: deserves? Yeah. Well, no. I think he's for sure pissed off at us, which oh, really? is, a, which is a, I think is projecting at the media. Like, I understand. I'm right. not, I'm not, I do not take that personally no. at, at all because like, let's be real. The, it's not me who's perpetuating any narratives. It is the it is Charles Barkley. It is it is all it is the national perception. You mean the empty stats thing? The empty stats to everything. The people that talk about his foul trouble all the time, people talk about him being a shit defender all the time. Uh-huh. That is that is totally the national narrative out on cat. And it's it's actually not totally true. No, it's not totally true. A- and so I, I think he knows he wants to change that. Uh-huh. And he needs to execute on that better. And I think that's not something he can exclusively do himself. I think it is about the way you use him defensively and the way you keep him out of foul trouble. And that, I think, is Ryan Saunders and David Vanderpool. And I think if I'm coaching and I'm looking think about one of my concerns is making sure that Cat can play 35 minutes a night by not being in foul trouble, I'm using him as a ball screener less often on offense mm-hmm. because he's going to pick up, because then he's going to pick up. He is not a good screen. He's not a good screener, and he's going to pick up fouls in that way. And that, mm-hmm. Even just one of those a game, that makes a difference. And then, out on, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think it's my opinion that he will foul less in being a more, I, this is kind of counterintuitive, but by being a more aggressive defender and hard hedging and attacking pick and rolls in a switch type situation, because I think once he starts retreating, in the way he has forever, it forces him to be reactive, and that's where his game slows down. And when he is reacting, and he's reacting slower, then you are overcompensating, and overcompensation on defense very often leads to fouls.
3: Well, I agree with you. I'm not sure I agree totally with the last couple sentences you made because I think that um, I don't think slowing down necessarily contributes to his following, but the greater point you're making. But he can't
1: read it. He can't read it.
3: But he can't read it fast either. I think that the greater point you make, though—
1: I I don't want to say he can't. He hasn't. He He hasn't.
3: The greater point that you make, the good point that you make, (laughs) in my opinion, is that um, he's better active, being able to— if he's got a man and he's got a switch responsibility, he knows who the switch responsibility is, uh, even if it's somebody much quicker— yeah. There'll be help you know, according to the tenets of the current defense, but you feel he's better on the perimeter to some extent than just staying home by the rim. I feel that, and when I talked to uh, Ryan Saunders the first day they were in Mankato, he felt it. Mm-hmm. He said he's better on the perimeter, so that's when I said, you know, it was in my piece that you know, so you think you could switch cat one through five, and that's said, well, you know, let's not get let's not get too heady about this because. The reality of it is, at least the way I'm reading the situation, it's not his call. It's Vanderpool's call. And Vanderpool is uh, a believer in in keeping the center in the paint. Historically in Portland, for sure. And Nurkic at 290 it was a good idea. You don't want Nurkic roaming around killing your point guards on switches. You know, I'm running into them while you're switching. Um, But Cat especially in a in a fluid lineup with guys like Rocco and Culver and Okogie on the floor, guys who um, can do the right thing so that he only has to do the remaining right thing. Yep. That is a good plan.
1: I, no, I agree. <laughs> and that's why it's going to be – it's just the, the main thing. It's not going to be black or white. It's not going to be they switch everything. It's not going to be they, they drop everything. There's going to be an array of coverages, and I think – they don't know what the best one is going to be yet. Right, and that's it, the deal.
3: That's why they won't commit. How many times have I asked if they're switching one through five this year? I, I'd say at least thirty times <laughs> in various ways. Right, you know? and no one has ever given me a straight answer. To you know, so it's, that's it's the like answer, a running sub joke. That's the straight answer. They're not
1: <laughs> right. They're that, not going there's, to.
3: There's, no, no. There's, they're not going to switch everything. I think the straight answer is that they don't know what's going to work and what isn't going to work now, so they're not going to say we are going to do this. Right. So I guess I should, to fold back onto your original question of what I'm looking for, I am looking to see, and I think it's a decent test case with Aiden um, of Phoenix and and, and, um, Golden State has Draymond, so you have guys, you know, I don't know who their center would be otherwise— uh, their first two opponents of Phoenix and Golden State in the preseason. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we That's will have um, some evidence theoretically.
1: Of well, I don't the think they'll other. start Draymond. I don't think Golden. State. I think they'll start Kali Stein or Looney.
3: Oh, interesting. Okay, but even there, you know, you could switch that. Kali mm-hmm. um, Stein, especially Kali Stein, gave Towns Fitz rim running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, let one of the mediums take a rim runner and let Towns. Grab the guy that's left for a minute, and then switch it or right. whatever. I, I hope, hope that happens.
1: No, I. Well, we're going to we're going to see. It's the, the part of it is when you think about Aiton or 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 time whatever it is, feels like Cat is going to have to guard the biggest guy all the time unless Vonley starts, or unless Vonley is because Bell is out the first two games. Because Bell is out the first two games. Oh yeah, that was that's from practice today. If people didn't see that, Um but he'll be back for the season. So that's right part of it, Bell or Vaughn, they put them in the same, they could start alongside Kat, now you're a little burlier. But if you are going to go with Covington at the four, your only option of guarding the DeAndre Ayton is Kat. And last season, that did not happen. That would have been the Taj Gibson job. He guarded the, the burly, back-to-the-basket <laughs> guys who are going to punish you in that way. And to my whole foul trouble thing, that's another area where Kat could pick him up. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a coach, again, I'm looking for ways to subtract from that. And that, to me, that would mean playing Vonley more. And you have always
3: been, from what I've seen, you've looked at this roster throughout the preseason and said they will play big a lot more than people expect. I definitely think so. That, that is one of your, your formative <laughs> responses thus far. Well, and I don't necessarily disagree on the basis of logic. I just keep coming back to the idea of um, how much they want to go with the Rosas idea of we're going to play our system and let the personnel sort it out and the ugliness of that happening. Um, you know, that's that's going to be an interesting thing. And also, I mean, it will be interesting to see. Uh, I think they're more excited. They are. I know they're more excited about Bell than they are about Vonley. Um which indicates to me that
1: they think Bell can cover centers um i think they think Vonley can do some of the Covington stuff too and be the off the weak side wing defenders see i am less
3: excited about that idea i Vonley certainly just thinks saying. Vonley certainly thinks he can you know block threes or whatever um you know here's my deal with Vonley. um he's a stat seeker and so is cap you can't have two stat seekers on the floor at the same time. Um, one of the things that Bell is is he does not care, just like Taj didn't care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I care about like getting his. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and it isn't even. It, I know that sounds more malicious or pejorative mm-hmm. uh, than it probably is. Some guys I, just have a have a way, you know. I agree. They get theirs. That's just the way they play. Mm-hmm. You know, and and Bell has always been a compliment. He's a compliment guy. He's not a feature guy. Vonley would like to be a feature guy and I would guess has been a feature guy in times when he's
1: like one of Rolling. the best players on the floor. I, it, it's certainly a risk. It's certainly a risk that he oversteps his boundaries and is doing more than you would like him to do. And that would make sense given the contract. The whole, I mean, that's the whole narrative you're making that from, right? But is he turned out a multi-year deal to get back on yeah. the market next year to get paid more. And, you know, the next line of the chain is, you know, get, get your stats, have a good year. And in that the narrative
3: way. also is supported by his years in the
1: NBA. Totally. It, but I acknowledge all that. And I'm there, There's just these you're kind of looking at two bad situations. There's that <laughs> or or you go. Or we gotta run Covington at the four a ton. And see, and this is why I think certainly will certainly get more minutes than people think. I agree with that. I I agree with that too. And I I've heard from people who have been at practices like actually watching it that he's what I mean, for whatever it's worth right. in training camp, but like he's balling in 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 that in that setting, and and so is Shabazz Napier and, and Jeff T, maybe right. just because they're the adults in the room. Right. But this idea that from if you want to talk about winning, if you and that, that's the primary goal, which I don't think it is. It the, isn't, right. The primary goal is creating the blueprint, everything we just talked about for the last half hour, cat-centric, all that. But you want to talk about winning right now, increasing your expected value of wins? It is not like Noah Vonley and Jordan Bell are way better power forward slash centers than Gorgie Jang is. They're not. Well, and they, they don't have the history, among no. other things. Gorgie, Gorgie, you, you Gorgie can cat yeah. play
3: well together. Absolutely. because Gorgie is a fundamentally good. He's position. a Taj. Yeah, he's a, uh, but he's also better than a Taj because when he matches up with centers, it's not like mm-hmm. they want to go. They want to go at that matchup. When Taj was on, you know, the Nurkic's of the world or the Andre Drummonds of the world or whatever, yep, that's where the ball went. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily go there if Gorgie's on them.
1: I think I agree with that. Yeah,
3: and so uh, also. But even more to the point, as good as Taj was, he wasn't a great communicator. It was one of the kind of disappointing things about Taj, is that he wasn't somebody who. Um, it's Cat like almost Cat got it got it was like natural,
1: out. like he didn't have to do it in he Chicago. He knew Tibbs stuff so so completely. And Noah was that guy in Chicago for them. Yeah. Noah was the mouth, right? Uh-huh. And, and Taj was right, like right come in. that's right good point yeah and and do the nonbot uh Joaquin right yeah 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 <laughs> yes <laughs> we're getting confused here but I I yeah I'm with you I think there a, a time will come and maybe it'll just be when cats and follow trouble which is gonna happen <laughs> that you're gonna need to play Corgi as a center and we will be able to See, and now everyone's like you look at Gorgi like, okay, he's not as fast, he's not certainly not a traditional modern big, but he's also never been put in the situation to play in that that style of system. So we'll learn about that, if that works or doesn't, and it's fine to assume it doesn't, but we don't know because it's never happened before. And when and when the competition is Jordan Bell and Noah Vonley, who both essentially signed for minimum contracts.
3: Right. That one, is their one market. five and one eight and two. I think were the
1: two. yeah. It's it, so it's, I'm I'm really. I think it's Jordan Bell could work. I think there's things that could work about Noah Vanley. I think they're very good signings. I'm just saying we're not talking about top fifty bigs in the NBA. Right. That's not their market value. You know, if Jordan Bell was some phenomenal hidden gem in the NBA, he would not have signed a one year minimum deal with the Wolves, that also beholds him to restricted free agency next year. So the worst possible deal he could have signed. And, you know, maybe he is excited about the opportunity here and he feels like he'll have the chance. Both of those things can be true. But it's not – neither of them are the answer.
3: Which brings us back to system over right. personnel. Um,
1: I agree it's going to be system.
3: I don't think that Ryan – has a lot of confidence in Gorgie.
1: Right.
3: And I also think that Vanterpool probably knows that Rosas and the organization would would love to get off Gorgie's deal. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you could argue one of the ways to do that is to increase his trade value by playing him effectively, but I think they're more interested in... Um, Seeing him um, him as an expiring contract next year and semi burying him this year.
1: I think he's. I think the gorge jing future is he's going to be stretched. His contract will be stretched next year. I just think that's that's what's going to happen. Well, and th- that is a, a really the best
3: way to get relief
1: to some extent. Yeah, because what he he's after this year, there's going to be one year seventeen million left on it. Right, and it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get off of, or. You can.
3: What are the what are the stretch provisions?
1: So you just divide it. You'll divide it by, by three. No, by three. by three and do it over three years. So be six million a year on your books next season and the two years after that. And you're assuming they'll be in luxury tax anyway. At least in second. Maybe year I though. mean it's it's six million. That's not like. It, it could I be mean, crucial. It, no, yeah, I know what but, you mean. But it's also a roster spot to a player that right, you right. think that the coach. Yeah. I, I agree that we think that the coach, isn't enamored by. Fitting into the blueprint, and just doesn't have the market value that you can trade him for. What is interesting,
3: we don't agree on everything by a long shot, but we both agree that Cat is better switching, and that Cat next to Gorgie is not a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yet, the organization, I think, is moving the the the. The momentum of the organization is away from both of those things, the way I read it. Now, we both could be totally wrong once the games actually start and we see what happens. But I do think Cat's going to be at home more than you and I would prefer. Sure. And that Gorgie won't be next to Cat very often because, as you mentioned, Gorgie will most likely
1: play when Cat's in foul trouble. And—, and- the other side of the Gorgie argument is even if he does help, the, the way he's helped Cat in the past is defensively. Mm-hmm. He has actively hurt Cat. But Kat. he's
3: also really good on screens.
1: For other players. But we are not. We weren't seeing a lot of 5-4 Gorgie-Cat action. That's true. They, I mean, what's the main thing you think about 2016-17, Tibbs' first year of the Gorgie-Cat pairing? I think of Gorgie being super low usage and oftentimes running into Cat on offense.
3: Uh-huh. At the same time, I would be interested in seeing what their offensive rating is because the thing that's interesting about Gorgie is low usage sometimes is a good thing. And hitting an open mid-range, if you can hit it over 50%, and Gorgie is typically top 5 to top 15, or maybe not typically, but as often as not. 46%
1: for his career. Oh, interesting. That's from good.
3: from like uh, 16
1: or from from uh 8 and beyond to okay. the inside of the 2.0.
3: Yeah, that's good. It's not as good as I had imagined. Well,
1: that's his whole career. I mean, he's uh-huh. had he had uh he had a couple that, of really good years he had a couple where of really he was good years. top 10. Yeah, right. it but if you're talking about 50 the guy who led the league in that last year was Al Horford and it was like 50.5%. Yeah. So that's the that's the gold standard of there. He's not Yeah, I know. I mean, but <laughs> He's gonna Gorgie's gonna shoot way more corner threes this year if he's out there. Everyone is, everyone we, is. In. We
3: can only hope. See, yeah. I think that the minute Gorgie lets a three go, Ryan's looking down the bench.
1: No, I, I think I, I Ryan think so. has his no. Tibbs moments. No, I and this so. is going to be one of them. He does not like Gorgie shooting the ball. Yeah, but he he is going if he's got, well, if that's his mentality and he's and and he's simultaneously saying Josh let it fly. I know those things do not mesh. Okay, and well I, let's let's track it. As okay. the
3: season goes on, I think that—and um, I think some of this has to do with a guy who's got seven years in the league versus a guy who's got one year in the league or whatever, six and one or whatever it sure. is. Um, and also future, you know. I to the, For the life of me, I cannot figure out why they're not quietly telling Okogie to, to not shoot. I mean, they are saying don't be—don't cost the, yourself. I think they're more quietly telling
1: him the opposite. I think they're saying let it fly.
3: Whew. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, I'll tell you if that—I know his teammates are doing that. If if the if the coaching staff is telling Josh Okogie uh, to let it fly in and open it, situations, then Andrew Wiggins is over there at the end of the bench going, "Wait a minute, you guys are saying this guy can shoot and I can't from my favorite spots."
1: Well, no, no, no. They're saying let it fly from three for Josh. Uh huh. Well, again. That's say, different. That's a different thing. I say, but,
3: put it on the deck, Josh. Don't shoot your
1: 28% from three. Okay, but but here's the thing. Josh has track records suggest he's a bad three-point shooter. Shot 28% from three last year. I would, wouldn't would assume we see a massive leap in that sort of, in that area. But Andrew Wiggins from mid-range is the equivalent of a 23.5% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. So that, Josh Okogie, who well, I... what is he from three? Good. 33. I know, but you said... I, wait, I no, can't I know, shoot I know, my know, shot, know, and, that, and the mid-range is is Andrew's shot. Like, a bad Josh 3 is better than an Andrew mid-range shot that he's not getting fouled on or—, or. But one guy is basically having
3: parts of the court color-coded for him, and another guy is being encouraged to shoot. If I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean— So all I'm saying is if Josh Okogie encouraged to shoot— then Andrew Wiggins is going to sit on his max contract and say wait a minute you know this
1: is not Andrew will be encouraged to sh- shoot the same shots that Josh is encouraged to shoot is what I'm suggesting uh, uh-huh. which are threes mm-hmm. Andrew they will want to definitely let it fly from three and I think that's a good strategy yes it is I think Andrew's a fine three point shooter well that remains to be seen well fine as in okay like given the alternatives given the alternatives and what el- else right. is on the roster i mean
3: both Okogie Wiggins are both lousy shooters Let's say that right up front.
1: I think Andrew is in, an, in an, a much better shooter than Josh Akoge is. I think that— If you're talking the, about just a jump shot in a in an open situation, give me an Andrew Wiggins I jump shot. I think that
3: the fact that Wiggins has a better handle and gets up many more volume attempts indicates to me that uh, his scoring prowess
1: is vastly overrated. Sure. I'm only talking about three-point shooting. And I don't even think he has a better handle than Josh Kogi. I think Andrew Wiggins has more moves. I think they both have frying pan hands when they're dribbling the ball. They're not, they don't, they don't have they don't have a tight handle in that situation. Andrew has the entirety of his life been an isolation player who's worked on isolation moves that the league has largely figured out. Right. But but I don't think he he doesn't have a, a smooth handle, and certainly his Turnover rates and propensity to just lose the ball suggests that as much too. The thing about his game that I am most confident in is that he can be a fine catch and shoot three point shooter. Well, to I, if
3: that happens, yeah, I mean that that would be that would be really good news. If if Wiggins can get even thirty five percent catch and shoot,
1: yeah, that's know, great. That would be great. That's a massive leap from the mid range, if, particularly if those are replacing. Right. A lot of the shots we had, right. we had so much. See,
3: what I would like to see is Wiggins, I wouldn't mind, I would trade, I would if you cut and pasted Shabazz Napier's fairly rotten um, shooting year last year. Last
1: year, I was going to say just last year.
3: With Wiggins, where he took like eight threes per 36 minutes and made 33% of them. I'm for that. (laughs) Seriously, I am for that for
1: Wiggins. Yeah, Um, I think the one person we haven't talked about today is Covington. Mm -hmm. Um, Best part of Media Day by far. Yeah, it was in in a real. I literally
3: breathed a sigh of relief about this team. It's going to be so much more fun to cover this team
1: because you were kind of of the mind that Covington might want out. Yes, and that changed in your mind. Knowing that it was mentally health related, absolutely. That
3: I mean, I
1: just added things up
3: last year. He was never around. Everybody was tight-lipped. You you know, everybody works their little sidelong sources. You know, among the team, and I have some good ones. And um, there wasn't body language that indicated to me that they knew anything. Right. You know, there was just he had disappeared. And a guy that important to the success of this team that was always such a uh, in-the-mix guy during Philly's terrible times, Um, so you knew that he was willing to step up and be a guy under trying circumstances, and he was gone. And meanwhile, the guy who came over with him was just a walking scowl. And so, so you figure... Covington's not happy, right. you know. I mean, where is he? And meanwhile, you didn't know whether he had re-aggravated his injury. It turns out that he had. Or he had just said, screw it. Why am I coming back to play the final month of the season when mm-hmm. our defense sucks and we're <laughs> not going to do anything, you know, get to the postseason? So I was worried. And then that whole idea that he got dangled in trade talks around the draft. I figured they must think he's unhappy. You know, So all those things, I will say that while I totally acknowledge that Towns is even factoring in defense and everything else, by far the best player on this team, the Wolves, yeah. Covington is my favorite player. Covington is the guy who makes it all work. He's the cocker. He's the guy that can hit the threes. He's the guy that can play both forward positions, I think, pretty well and also... Be a decent two-guard.
1: And whatever, whether we're right or whether we're wrong, the best way that Cat is be, is able to be used defensively, whatever that may be, Robert Covington will be a huge part of it He's that. on the floor. He's either a three or a four, but he's on the floor. So what I thought was interesting today at practice was Ryan Ryan said that they, I mean, are not, going, be be sta- are not going to be staggering good. them in the way they did really last year. Really good. Because you remember, I mean... He was the bridge to the to the bench. Which worked well. Yeah. Worked really well. But Rocco also never played for Saunders. Right. That's zero, right. That's zero right. games for that. So that was under Tibbs where they had Rocco be the... Smart move by Tibbs, by the way. Six, Yeah, right. We never gave him enough credit. Totally. And they were switching at that time. Right. <laughs> they were. I mean, I know. <laughs> um, but Rocco... Partly because they had Derrick Rose. He couldn't <laughs> guard anybody. That's true. But it... it It worked, and it was a deviation of Tibbs' previous mantras. Yes. But what it was from a rotation standpoint, and as we know with Tibbs, they were carbon copy, we're doing this over and over. It was very easy to know what Tibbs' rotation was because it was the same every game. Mm -hmm. And when it was good with Rocco, Rocco played the first six minutes of the first quarter and the third quarter and then subbed out and was the first player in to start the second or fourth quarter playing with the bench. And while that worked well and unleashed the bench – yes. It also led to a smaller sample size of time with cat and led to less of the things that we're talking about that he right. makes cat great. and we know that cat is the priority right. And now and Ryan affirming that today that that is going to the rotation will not be that way. I think they will try and see as much as they possibly can of the two of those to get those two of those players together. And I think that's really good news for a number of reasons. One, it does,
3: If Cat is going to be a stay-at-home guy, at least he's going to have somebody he trusts playing next to him so he won't do too many silly things. And then the other thing is for locker room harmony, it's really, I mean, we talk now about how, you know, it's a feel-good team, but when they're, you know, 13 and 27 or something um, in January, that's not going to be a fun locker room. And so uh, Cat just, the only word I can use is adored, the idea of Covington, a guy who was meaningful to the team, who had his back in the locker room, put up with the corny, high-pitched voice that Cat would get into, you know, when he was in some kind of a riff mode. Um, Covington was right there with him. And, you know, after... um, Superego Joel Embiid, I'm sure to some extent Cat wasn't nearly as annoying right. uh, uh, <laughs> as, you know, as it might be otherwise. So I do think that uh, it's a really good idea. I'm really glad to hear it.
1: The, the only other, I agree. And it's, I think that's what they should be doing. The other side of it, though, is the bench. Yes. is
3: thi- Well, that's when you have, I mean, you got front court depth.
1: Mm-hmm. So if
3: you want to run out, maybe Bell and Vonley play together.
1: Bell and Vi- – yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's going to be important to define that second unit's identity and get them mm-hmm. – if it works. If right, it works, right, right. they will have an identity right. in the way that that kind of group did. Yeah, I don't think they have – I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. think they
3: can fit – well, first of all, we have to figure out how the
1: wing minutes get spent. Well, you know, if it's going to be a lot of Covington with Cat, that means it's going to be a lot of Wiggins with the bench, I think. Think that's just going to be the nature of that ebb and flow, right? What I would
3: prefer, quite frankly, as a fairly certified Wiggins disliker, um, <laughs> is that that a lot of minutes with Wiggins with the bench, more minutes with the bench than with the starters. You know, I, I think give me Covington and Culver. Yeah. Um, I mean, give me uh, Okogie and Culver. One of the dream things you can think about. And I know Wallace is a real long shot to make the team, but can you imagine Wallace, Covington, Okogie, Culver, and Cat on the floor? Yeah, that is a that's a hound defense. That'd be fun.
1: I, I no, I agree, and I think there's other ways. Even if it isn't Wallace, I mean they get right. they have put, Trevion put, to make that Trevion Graham and, or whatever. And like
3: Ryan said, good things about Graham the other days, so, mostly about three is three point
1: shooting, but you know, well, he's six five. He's got good size. He's thick too. Uh, to play shot doctor and just having they're actually letting us watch some of like practice at least warm ups and uh-huh. stuff. Um his shot is broken? Again, I'm just saying from my perspective, who is. is just me. Yeah. Um, Tyrone Wallace's is certainly broken. It doesn't spin. Yeah. Well, I mean his yeah. believe me, you're on safe statistical ground there because he Agree. can he can't hit anything. I don't I don't trust Graham's having watched mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh better but I don't think that's his calling card. I don't think every player needs his to be— Is defense
3: his calling card?
1: I, yeah, I think he's going to be a hell of a— How's his handle? Bad. I think he's just a—and that's fine if you're he, like a minimum. Yeah, well— I mean, that's the way— you know. But look. if he can be a strong point-of-attack defender on that second unit, smart, you know, no, doing what he's doing, like, be— But what Cat's talking about, it, it, you know, having that weak side help of the wing, knowing where nowhere to be and being able to, in a breakdown, switch, and having that be Trevion Graham versus Derrick Rose— Purely on the defensive side, that's gonna make a big difference. Yes, I, I think, or, or any of those. Or Jake guys. Lehman. Or Jake Lehman, right? Which and, you know, I mean, yeah. plugged in John Krasinski, my colleague at the Loved Athletic,
3: uh, wrote a column saying, "Hey, you know, keep an eye on on this guy Lehman. He he's the guy that the team is excited about. If John says that, it's a fact."
1: I <laughs> I, I, I agree, and and he's the yeah. I, I'm on the record. He's who I would start as that as that fifth starter. If you're gonna go Covington at the four. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a team. And so you bring for,
3: Culver off the bench.
1: To start, mm-hmm. and, the, the, and probably people who to this before, I've said this numerous times, I think it, what I would do is have it be Layman, and then it'd be similar to what it was with Colin Sexton last year in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. George Hill started the kind of beginning right. of the year, and then they moved Sexton in, and he started the last 72 games of the year. I think we get there with Culver eventually, but I think Layman's the, the type of guy who you can start and won't necessarily take it as a demo. Maybe demotion. a low freeze. Maybe He thing. did in the beginning of last year. Maybe. I'm, I'm skeptical about that. Too. It was his one time. The, my, the, my last shock, Dr. One, and I thought, I, and I think this is the most meaningful, is I think Culver we're going to see has a hit she has to work through mm. in his shot. But kind of remember like Tyus, mm-hmm. his first year? Mm-hmm. I, I, do, I do think that Culver is going to be a fine shooter in this league. Maybe and who know, Maybe it ends up being really good. I'm not. I'm not going to predict that. But right. from the limited amount I've seen in training camp, and from having gone and watched the shots he was taking in college, I believe that his college three point percentage of thirty percent is an unfair representation of the shooter he right. is right now. I still think he has things to work through because you can see him. What you can just see is in in pure catch and shoot situations. There's less of the hitch. He starts moving his feet and. And setting, and he doesn't have as much like explode, like as much under him. He gets a little hitch to get extra, some extra fling in there. Right, and I think that, I mean that, historically, that's a problem for shooters. Some people can get through a hitch and and be a a fine shooter. He's twenty, you know. Those are those are things to work through. But do uh, they have a shooting coach? I mean, officially? uh, No, not like uh, Patton was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure they have one of those position guys. They seem to be very. Prigioni seems like he could be a good one. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, he, I've heard nothing but but good things about him, and he uh, for, certainly, from the players, love both him and Van der And that's age. That's good news. I think. Yeah, and you know, f- for all of them, it, it's this whole. Uh, it's really interesting at the beginning of practice when they're you know they're doing you're doing film stuff, and Ryan basically just introduces, you know, what they're going to be talking about. And then, and then it's Vanderpool comes on and he talks about defense, and he's laid out. I mean, they have a whole new terminology this year. For the, I mean, you're not going to hear people yelling ice, ice, ice anymore. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it, it's different because there is no ice. Well, the, no, that's not true. I know. They're they're going to they're going to use the color the the color way of doing okay. it, which is like blue is ice or dropping right. system. Right. And so it's just change of terminology. So Vanderpool, Vanderpool speaks, and then Prigioni speaks. I mean, it's very much. Like the whole offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator thing is real, mm-hmm. and and then and then Ryan interjects and you know and gets in there and, um, it, if for a brand new coach and I'm not, even if Ryan is a coaching savant, which who knows, um, it's, it makes sense to break that up. I, I don't uh-huh. I'm not saying it is, but we don't know we don't know anything. Like uh-huh. I think it's I think it's good to delegate. Uh huh. Oh, I agree. And one of the things I will say as
3: somebody who enjoys my seat on the fence when it comes to Ryan, is uh, <laughs> that he really is more comfortable right now. He seems like... It's like now that he's been given the blueprint, he's on board and ready to roll. When when it was early and they hadn't really uh, laid out everything that was going to happen and he you know had no input or any... Any clue to some extent as to the depth and the details, um, it was some. It was hard, you know, during those early summer press conferences to hear him talk. He just didn't want to step in something, you know, he didn't know. Now um, he's he certainly w- whether not or not he's he's a sacrificial lamb or not, he is on board with what is happening and is ready to roll.
1: And he is, to even even the people who are on the fence mm-hmm. about Ryan, which I from time to time find myself there as well, he has has instilled, and I think we will come to instill that, understand that he has effectively instilled the type of practice, the type of environment he wants the team to be in, and I think that's mostly true because it's the way that Towns want stuff to run and Covington wants stuff to run. Right. And I think that meshes really well. It's, I mean, it's well, even guys it's like, like a college me, practice.
3: Even guys like me who tend to criticize him um, have to acknowledge that he is really good with player relations when it comes to um, having young players feel like they have a confidant. And a guy who will go to war with them throughout the course of the season.
1: And it goes without saying that that is the antithesis of what was happening yes. w- with Tibbs. And I, again, from the limited perspective that I have, which is basically the same as it was under Tibbs, is you just see the, you see the hanging out around before practice and after practice, and countless times what that looked like with Tibbs is he'd go sit down by Taj, he'd go sit right. down by Derek, right? You know, and they would be, it would be those. Right, I mean, it was it was never to, right. from what I saw, like literally never was. I'm going to go sit. It down It was next always Andrew.
3: a bifurcated roster. Roster. It was always yes. um These are the guys that I won with before, and sooner or later, these klutzes are going to learn from these guys mm-hmm. I won with before,
1: and everybody will be fine. And for Ryan, I, maybe even to a fault, I think he gives. It's an egalitarian approach. Mm-hmm. He gives everybody the time of day. It doesn't – I mean, Cat – he knows Cat is the most important because he's the best player. Right. But he knows that Jake Lehman is critical as well. Right. Because, because having a better relationship with Jake Lehman will help him have a better relationship and more success with Carl Anthony Towns. And, again, the numbers, the results are to be determined. That is happening. Right. I'm And that's that. a good sign, you yes. know, that
3: Ryan Ryan has virtues. As a coach Mm -hmm. and the things that he is suspect in as perhaps not having that as a strength have been brought in Mm -hmm. you know specifically defensive schemes I think it would be number one you've got a guy who is great at that by all accounts um, and perhaps overqualified well I mean again but that's uh, I know in a good way yeah no I agree Um, It remains to be seen. That's the fun—that'll be another fun thing about this season is um, this does not project necessarily as a good defensive team unless you begin to identify and expose some pretty interesting players on this team. I don't think the Wolves are at their best on defense in any way, shape, or form when Wiggins is on the floor. I just don't think he – he is a terrible help defender. At least he has been for the previous five or six years he's been in the league. He doesn't have the peripheral vision or the desire to help. And so one can be fixed perhaps and one cannot. I don't think peripheral vision – yeah. Is you know,
1: no, I don't think those things will we'll be an, will I mean change
3: a bunch. Well we'll see. I mean,
1: is he? The gonna, offense will I think the way he's used offensively will change because you can control that more. Yeah, but I'm
3: I am talking defense yeah, now yeah. And Vanterpool. And let's see if David Vanderpool it seems absurd to say this, but let's see if David Vanderpool can get Andrew Wiggins into his stance. Mm-hmm. I mean that literally has never happened on a consistent basis the whole time he's been in the NBA. Would that happen in San Antonio?
1: Are you kidding me? Well, and it goes and you've you've long said this, it, it it's time for him to be held accountable. And if being in a defensive stance is is it's something that's a requirement, as it hasn't been before though. I it know. wasn't a requirement for tips because Andrew didn't do it, and he still is played a, led the it, team in minutes. And
3: that is that, so this, that's
1: absurd. I'm just trying not to be no, assumptive because we have a five year sample size. Mitchell of said saying, it.
3: Ah. Sam Mitchell said it. He said, he said that, it, but he still played him.
1: I know. Well, so so it's so coming from somewhere else. Isn't my, my my point yeah. is that if that is a requirement and he doesn't change that, then it's time to be held accountable and say, "Yep, it's not 35." Then. It's not thirty five. It's going to go down because we're not going to play you for your whole third quarter shift here. We're going to start somebody else Just start the second half. Maybe because-
3: one of these two top draft choices of the previous two <laughs> seasons who were known for their go out and get them on defense.
1: Right. That's a that's certainly creeping up. And that gets back heels.
3: to my point, which is that if you want to play good defense, I am not sure you could do that capably with Wiggins. Now, the stats are kinder to Wiggins than I am being here. Mm-hmm. You know the the stats show that I, has he been five years in the league or six? I always lose count. Five. Okay, so I think two of the years his individual offensive rating uh, outproduced the
1: teams. Um, offensive or defensive? I'm sorry, defensive. Defensive rating. Yeah, but he's playing with the starters all the time. Like the starters uh, are and but, Jimmy. Okay, so one of those years is the Jimmy Butler year. Like, yeah. of course they mm-hmm. played. They played those starters 1,200 right. minutes together. Right. Like, right, right. So he doesn't get credit for that in my book. Okay, well, uh, I will tell you that is one of the years, and I think I think the
3: other one was his second year in the league, which was the Mitchell year,
1: which was Kate, which was KG and Tayshon and Andre Miller.
3: Yeah, that's true. Andre I, Miller though, well, hey, he knows where to be. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I will repeat that you've got two guys. If Culver is is college rep is legit then I would say that um, we know what okogi can do on defense. Um, that you have Covington, okogi and theoretically at least Culver are quality perimeter defenders.
1: My, my gut is it's going to be a little more gradual with Culver for everything, both mm-hmm. sides of the ball. Um, Lehman is not known as a good defender.
3: Yeah. Um, and he's... Like Wiggins, a super athlete,
1: should be capable. They're the. I I knew they had very similar body types coming in, uh, except Wiggins' arms are longer and he can jump a little bit higher. Interesting. Uh, yeah, actually, because Lehman looks bigger, but that's because he's heavier, probably. Um. Well, Wiggins, Wiggins has an extra three inches of wingspan on him, mm-hmm. and they're the same height. Uh, but what I was gonna say is I, what I always said is before I, we were watching a game together, we were playing Portland, and I was like, Jake Clayman reminds me of Andrew yeah, Wiggins. Yeah, in and I, a, remember you, I remember that conversation. In like a much if, – if you used Andrew Wiggins as your low-usage guy, it would be a lot like Jake Clayman. And so I've always kind of fondly made that comparison. What I'm interested to see, because now what I'm learning is they're very similar in disposition. Uh, and Hard to motivate. I don't know. I mean, how, What do I know? I'm just saying – from what I've seen, he just seems like a chill dude. That's not a bad thing. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of killers out in the league who have have chill demeanors, one of which is Robert Covington. Yes. And I on mean on the other
3: hand, you know, I've watched a fair bit of Lehman. I would not say he has not ever made that impression on me. As somebody who loves defense, I notice the guys who who like to play defense. Mm-hmm. They become my favorite players. Right. Layman has never made that
1: impression on me. That he likes to play defense? Yeah. I, I honestly think, and this is an Andrew. I think when you grow up, levels athletically above other people, that is a hard. You don't have to, to try as much, right? I mean, that's the that's the basic the way of putting it. Need to see more from layman in a consistent role, and I think we will see that, it, whether that's starting or whether that's in a, a main role off the bench. Um, do you have anything else that we're missing on? Nope. We got I'm, a, a, I'm always flying. Blind, blind. Yeah, no, I think I think we hit on all the things. I mean, people are probably listening to this either in advance of the first game of the season and, or the preseason, which I don't we'll we'll see how much we can take from that. I don't really remember taking much from preseasons of the past, but this year it feels a, a little bit more meaningful and well, like, well it's I
3: mean the roster what you rarely, I mean, as somebody who has um covered the team since nineteen ninety, there was the KG trade year. Um, but even then, the front office and coaching staffs were relatively intact mm-hmm. over that period of time. Um, I There may have been a, a time, but I don't remember a time when um, the front office and coaching and roster have all been so yeah. you know, in flux at the same time. So I think these things are to the point we're desperate for some kind of tea leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it'll be fun to watch Tuesday and Thursday night.
1: Right. And then as certainly as soon as we get to Brooklyn, which is now <laughs> October twenty-third, is it?
3: Yeah. Is that the opener? And Couple Today is the ninth. Seventh. Seventh. Oh, there you go. Two Seventh. weeks and two days.
1: It'll be it'll be here fast. Yeah. Um and you'll be, I'm sure we'll have you in here again before. You bet. before I'm on that a happens. semi-regular basis. A summer, <laughs> that's that's all I can ask. It'll be fun. I'm I because it is going to be it's gonna be a year that's worth thinking about. You know what I'm saying? Where right. that we're gonna we're gonna be gathering data points, whether they're statistical or not. You know, just we're gonna we are going to right. we are going into this very I mean, I don't know, with a lot of questions, not even in a bad way. They we're right. just we're lacking, we've got a lot of words and to Rosa's credit, action over words. Judges off of what happens, not over what we're saying. All we've had is what they're saying. He says that over and over again, by the way. He he, he does. I find that ironic. (laughs) Um, That's all we got for today. (laughs) I'm Dane Moore. This is Britt Robson of The Athletic. You can, uh, of course, uh, follow him there and uh, subscribe to the the work that he and John Krasinski do there and everything at The Athletic. Uh, Now
3: having John Hollinger, by the way. I want to get that in because Hollinger's
1: been a long time –
3: I would. I don't. You know, as somebody sixty-six years old, it's kind of weird to talk about mentors, especially guys who are. I think he's probably a decade younger than me. Maybe, maybe more. Maybe less. But um, John Hollinger has changed some of the ways I I view basketball. He was one of the early analytics guys who really uh, parsed knowledge.
1: You know, that was cool when data for me. Me, you, him, and Charlie had dinner. Yeah, uh, when he was in town, right last season, in the media room, in it the media, was, room. we didn't yeah. well, but he,
3: we, right, yeah, and yeah, I mean, he's a guy I've always openly uh, sought the counsel of um, on the sly, of course, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, not saying, hey, can you tell me this, but right. getting in. No, I, a- I very much respect his opinion. I think he's a must-read. He hasn't been anywhere because he's been a part of the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> right. front office for the last few years. But when he was at ESPN. Yeah. He was a must read for me and he is now. He, by the way, he's called the Wolves to thirty-eight wins and uh yeah. ahead of OKC because OKC is gonna dump all the players, is his opinion. Uh but he's at the athletic right now. So uh to the extent I'll pimp the athletic, uh John Hollinger is a very easy way for me to do that.
1: Absolutely. Um outside of that, look for the the stuff we'll have on I'm gonna have something on Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, up, I think tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning, in advance of the game, he kind of went all Deshaun Watson on a uh, talking about basketball, which was awesome. Actually, he you know broke it down, which is um, that's all you can kind of ask for as a reporter. Yep. So to to lay that all out. So follow that. We'll be back. Uh, Charlie and I will be back on Thursday. We're finally hit on our last part of the season preview with the the guards. Um, until then, I'm Dane Moore. Peace out.